Well, here's a question for you as we head towards tax time. Has paying income tax become voluntary in Australia? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Well, my next guest argues that perhaps for some, extremely low tax bills are a real prospect if your financial affairs are structured to stream income into companies, super and trusts. Well, the Australian Tax Office has issued warnings that it intends to crack down on some payments from family trusts from next month. And in a speech earlier this month, the head of the Federal Treasury, Dr Stephen Kennedy, also indicated that there should be closer scrutiny of tax planning by individuals and businesses. To tell us more, we're joined by Bob Brunig. Bob is the Director of the Tax and Transfer Policy Institute at the ANU. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Good morning, Catherine. I'm fine. I'm sorry that my institute uh, name is such a mouthful. It's it is, horrible. I it is a mouthful, it. but it sounds very important. So we've, we're, we're okay with it. <laughs> now, we know, Bob, the ATO has issued warnings earlier this year that they were going to closely look at payments or these distributions from family trusts. Now, it's a pretty complex area, we know, but can you explain in simple terms what's going on here? Sure. Um, essentially what it is is that trusts allow people to get access to a different tax rate than they would normally pay. And, and that's the thing that the ATO is worried about. Sometimes that's perfectly legitimate, um, but there are other times where clearly people are simply using the trust to minimize tax and doing nothing else. Um, and there's, there's a couple ways you can do that. Um, so, you know, think about a taxpayer who is well off, who's on the top marginal rate, making $200,000 has money in a trust, they distribute that money from the trust to their uh, 19-year-old child. Maybe they distribute $18,000. That's tax-free because it's below the tax-free threshold. They never give the money to the child. They um, either just take it back in their pocket and spend it, um, or they put it back into the trust. Now, they basically have just gone from a 47% tax rate to a 0% tax rate. That's Mm. one bit of behavior the ATO has flagged that that they are going to look at very, very carefully. Um, A second thing is that if you have a company inside the trust, you can distribute money to the company and pay a 25% tax rate for small businesses instead of paying, again, the 47% tax rate for an individual. And the ATO, and, and, and that's okay because then the company can um, distribute that money to individuals who will be taxed. Uh, The company can invest that money. The company can make things. But people have come up with this very clever thing called the washing machine, Mm. where they distribute the money to the company, um, except they don't actually pay it. The company then issues a dividend back to the trust uh, in between a gap in timing for filing the company tax return and the trust tax return, Mm. such that the money never gets taxed. Um, and uh, very clever, um, but but pretty clearly looks like tax avoidance doesn't really look like, oh yeah, I'm running a plumbing business and I'm going to put some more money into my plumbing business so I can buy a new truck, mm. which, which would be fine, right? And, yeah. and it's that circular motion of money, this so-called washing machine aspect that's of concern here for the ATO, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, they actually lost a court case about this. Um, on some pretty technical rules that I won't try to explain because I'm not even sure I understand them. <laughs> but, um, but, but essentially, the, 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 there are some very technical rules around this that have to do with whether an agreement is in place um, to minimize taxes and in the absence of a formal agreement uh, and in the absence of the company having been set up uniquely for tax minimization, 
the court said, well, you know, this is not illegal behaviour. It conforms with the law. Mm. I mean, I think it's important to point out here, Bob, that trusts are widely used for legitimate business purposes and investment purposes. I mean, they were originally set up for asset protection, if you like. Can you can you just briefly explain why someone would set one up for legitimate purposes? Yeah, asset protection is one reason. Um, so we used to have inheritance taxes in Australia. And for example, if you had a family winery, you might not want to have to sell the winery when uh, the parents died. You might want to let the children inherit that. And you can do that by putting it in a family trust. That's then, the winery is then held by the trust, mm. and it's exempt from those inheritance taxes. Nowadays, people use trusts uh, also for asset protection. Um, you might have some children, and you might be worried that one of your children has a partner uh, who might do things with the money that you don't want them to do. Mm. Um, the trust gives you a lot of discretion about who gets the money. Um, and then from a business point of view, um, Trusts are really useful because they protect the liability of people. So if you're a sole trader, mm. uh, you know, a lot of sole traders in Australia who are plumbers or tradies, they're going to use a trust because if if something happens and they, they were to get sued or if their company goes out of business, they can restrict the losses to the trust and not have have someone come and take the family home away from them. So there's, you know, really good reasons why why people set these up. And in, in other countries, you have structures like uh, limited liability corporations or in the U.S., we have S-Corps, uh, and, and uh, in Australia, we don't have those structures, and so people use the trust for mm. those same things. If we go back to those dummy distribution techniques, if you like, do you have a sense of just how many trusts there are where people are doing uh, this, where the ATO is, is honing in at, at looking at that possible avoidance? Catherine, this is the elephant in the room, right? I mean, you, you quoted my paper about the fact that um, these possibilities exist, we know anecdotally that people do it, but we really have no idea. Um, there are, I think, now about a million trusts in Australia, um, you know, give or take 100,000. And the number of trusts have kind of grown over time, and it's grown at the same rate as the number of businesses have grown. So you might look at that and say, oh, you know, that's okay. Or you might say that's too many trusts. It's sort of hard to know. And then... Um, and then, um, you know, part of the problem is that is that we don't have really clear reporting about trusts. So that, you know, when you if, if you say to me, what do you want to do about policy? One obvious thing is we just need more information, right? We should have uh, much more information presented by trusts in tax returns about who actually are the beneficial owners of the trusts. Um, when you look in the ATO data at the distributions, a lot of people getting distributions are actually paying the top marginal tax rate. So they're not engaging in any tax avoidance. And then if you look at these distributions to people below the tax-free threshold, they don't actually have to file a tax return. So we might not even have any data on them at all. Um, so it's actually quite difficult to get a hand on the kind of size of the problem. I, you know, anecdotally, I think we think it's pretty large, but, um, I, you know, I struggle to put a number on it. And, and, and we probably need that if we're going to do better policy. Well, as we know, the ATO is looking at this. And I noticed that quite a few accountancy and legal firms notified their clients of the ATO's decision. And one tax expert said that the ATO ruling would ring alarm bells for, for trusts. I mean, how significant is the change? Again, you know, provided people are using these things in, in legal ways, it shouldn't matter at all. So if, if the sole reason for the existence of the trust is tax minimization, then that should be ringing alarm bells for people. And then people might want to think about, um, you know, you can still use a trust. 
you can still distribute to family members and children. Um, they can pay their marginal tax rates. But I think these dummy distributions, you know, where you pretend to give money to your children, but you don't really do it, I think is that, that seems legitimately like dishonesty and the government can crack down on that. This topic is um, sparking a few uh, texts, as you would imagine, uh, Bob, here. Was, One yes. listener has come in saying tax minimisation is Australia's national sport. All of these tax breaks are only available to the wealthy. Low-paid PAYE workers are paying far more proportionately. Would you say that that's a fair characterisation of what's going on? I would definitely agree that it's our national sport. Um, we lead we lead the world in in the use of tax agents uh, more than any other country. Um, I, I wouldn't say these are only available to the rich. I mean, there there are a lot of small business owners who you know are making modest amounts of money, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in that range, who have access to these things and and clearly use them. Obviously, the more money you have, the higher tax rates you're paying, the more valuable these things are. Um, and it is certainly true that if you're a a PAY worker and you're a nurse or a, a school teacher, um, you're going to get your salary, your eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year. You're going to be paying twenty some thousand dollars of tax. If you were a sole trader doing exactly the same thing and you were running your business through a trust, it would be quite easy to pay zero dollars in mm. tax. And I guess you then you sort of have to say, well, is that fair, right? If, if what we want to be doing is we want to say, hey, you know, we, we want to live in a society where the kind of teachers and nurses and salary workers pay for everybody, and if you own a small business, we're just going to say you live in a tax-free world. Um, so if that's what we're doing, that's, you know, then we've created a policy that does that. But if we think that's unfair, then I think we need to look at this and say, hang on, are, are people paying uh, their fair share? So are we living in a fair system of tax then, or is this a, an affront to a well-designed, equitable system? So look, I, uh, my own personal view on that is that it is an affront um, to a well-designed system. And um, as, as the person uh, pointed out with the, in the text, you know, tax minimization is the national sport because we have so many different ways to do it. Um, what countries around the world have, <clears throat> have done is uh, get rid of a lot of these ways to avoid paying taxes and then lower tax rates. And, and that's kind of, you know, as a broad idea, that's very enticing because it's going to improve fairness. You know, everyone's paying the same amount. Lower tax rates hopefully encourages more work and more activity and more innovation. Um, and when you do that, you can actually get rid of having to file tax returns. So I think in countries like France and New Zealand, the average taxpayer doesn't even file a tax return. Mm. Unless you own property or have overseas income, we know exactly how much money you have. We just And, there, and there's no work-related deductions. There's, there's none of that, right? Yeah, and I guess this all leads to a broader discussion about our tax system. There was an interesting speech made by the Head of Treasury earlier this month, Dr Stephen Kennedy, and he's made these warnings about the federal budget needing to be repaired to manage inflation and costs particularly related to aged care and the NDIS. And he said that the tax fist system had to be made fit for purpose. Is he raising the prospect here of changes to at least start a conversation about tax reform? And what should or where should that conversation begin? Yeah, I mean, Stephen's right on in this one, uh, you know, and he's and he is starting that conversation and it's an important conversation. Um, so, you know, if you look at the debt that we have accumulated during COVID, we now have um, we're now facing debt to GDP that Australia has not seen since in the, in the years just after World War II, right? So this is, you know, 70 years, 80 years since we've seen these kind of debts. Um, now, it's not a disaster. It's not a panic. But 
yeah, we have to pay it off. And if we don't start paying it off, then if you know interest rates start going up, um, it's going to become very expensive for us to do that. And, and that will make people worse off, right? It will affect the amount of tax we have to pay. It will affect the exchange rate that we pay. So, so it is really, I guess I would just start by saying it's really important to deal with that. Um, and then when he says it's not fit for purpose, um, we have a tax system that's incredibly reliant on our personal income tax base and our corporate tax base. It's, yeah, I noticed very, in, in one of your reports, nine in every $10 raised of tax raised by the Commonwealth is brought in from that very narrow band. Yeah, and we're, and we're the... And where I think the in the OECD, I think we're the second narrowest tax base. And, and the problem with that is it's getting narrower. So we have only 11 companies pay half of the corporate tax. And, and only a small percentage of taxpayers pay about 50% of the personal income tax. So if we say, okay, let's, you know, let's raise personal income taxes to pay off the debt, um, all this tax minimization is going to get even worse. Um, and I think the other big problem in our system, which keeps coming up, and we have to have a conversation about it, is that there are a lot of people in Australia who on paper are very, very wealthy. Um, but when they file their tax return, they pay no taxes because they look like they have a 0% um, tax rate. And, and the reason for that is we've been so generous in the way that we treat superannuation. We've been so generous in the way that we treat owner-occupied housing. Everybody's putting their money in that stuff. Um, we let you pile up superannuation as much as you want and and pay very low taxes on it. And then when you die, you can pass it all to your children at a very low tax rate or at no tax rate, depending upon their age. Um, and, and that unfairness that's going to build up over generations, I think, is something we really have to to think about. And, you know, immediately people say, oh, you know, we don't want a death duty. It's fine. There, and there are other ways. But I think we need to we need to start finding a way to tax some of that untaxed wealth. Otherwise, we're just going to have this growing wealth inequality that our income tax system is just incapable of dealing with. Mm, Bob, we've only got about 30 seconds left. Where, where would you start with the most important reforms? Would it be super? Would it be owner occupied? Would it be stamp duties? We're seeing changes there in New South Wales. I think I'd start with land tax. Land tax is efficient and uh, it's the wealthy people who own the most expensive land. A very low rate land tax applied to everything would be very fair, a great way to raise revenue and a, and a big improvement. Bob Brunick, it's always great talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Catherine. Professor Bob Brunick is the Director of the Tax and Transfer Policy Institute at the ANU. You can check out the Institute's blog and Twitter if you want to delve further. Well, coming up in the next hour, the stark warning about technology and the threat it poses to democracy the little Victorian town embracing a big solar challenge and what our food says about who we are. I'm Catherine Robinson. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us here on RN. But right now, it's time for the news. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.